0: Hey gang, welcome to episode 41 of the No Persinium podcast, your podcast about immersive theater and its ilk. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the San Francisco Bay Area on this little two-week stint we've got going on up here. On today's episode, we're going to be talking with Albert Kong, who is our curator here in the Bay Area. We're going to get into kind of a history of the Bay Area scene, some of the stuff that Albert's into, kind of a a deeper exploration of it. This is really the first time Albert and I have had a chance to sit down and talk shop Uh, just him and me, uh, for an extended period of time. So, uh, this was a lot of fun to do. And you will find some themes in this week's episode that will continue into next week's episode. We're on a pretty good run of podcasts right now. But hey, uh, time for the usual news and notes. First up, um, I've got a little ask for you. Now, I haven't really done this before, uh, because I was holding out for the right moment. Well, that and I forgot. Um... I would really appreciate it. We would all, whether we know it or not, really appreciate it. If you're listening to this on iTunes, if you took a moment to go into iTunes, into the podcast space, and drop a little review of the show, that helps the people who curate iTunes know that people are listening. Uh, it, it bumps it up in the rankings, et cetera, and that means more people can find the show. And because the show exists to help people find new work, um, new shows, new creators, think of it as a virtuous circle of discovery. People find the podcast. Through the podcast, they find new creators. And those creators, they find new shows, on and on and on and on. So it would help me out, help the show out, help us all out, if you go and leave a review. Okay. Only going to ask for that every once in a while. This is one of those times. Uh, let's, uh, let's look at a couple of the cities. New York and L.A. and and the West Coast all had issues this week. Uh, like issues of the newsletter, not, not issues. Uh, Zay has uncovered some rich new veins in New York. Uh, there's, there's some installation art in there. And uh, this is all happening at a time when there seems to be this wave of immersive cinematic events sweeping through town at a lot of the spaces. So it's a really great issue uh, this week coming out of New York. Uh, On the West Coast issue, uh, we had uh, a shout out to the grand opening of Meow Wolf's House of Eternal Return installation space in Santa Fe. Everything I've heard about Meow Wolf has been pretty good. Uh, so if you find yourself out that way, I hope you will check it out and report back in. Uh, they've got a grand opening this weekend with a lot of amazing performers coming through. But the, the house itself, the space itself is going to continue on for a while. In Los Angeles, uh, a lot of people have been asking me about the Tension experience. Uh, I, I I don't know anything about it. I mean, beyond what I can find on the internet. Uh, we've been busy here, and We, meaning me, been running around doing stuff for the day job, and uh, I haven't dived in to really explore it yet. So if you do, let us know. Um, is it uh, an, an alternate reality game? Is it a haunt? What exactly is this thing? Only those who, uh, who go through really know. Uh, and another thing you might want to look out for is... Um, this is Wilderness, the makers of The Day Shall Declare It. They're starting to staff up again. Um, and uh, if you follow them on Instagram, you see they're doing a lot of postings. They're looking for stage managers, all kinds of positions uh, as they work on the next piece, uh, which is coming up very soon. Uh, I think we may have actually talked about it before. But I, right now, I can't remember exactly what we have and haven't said. Um, but... Very, very soon. Uh, indeed, an announcement super soon uh, for those of us who uh, get the newsletter and listen in. Um, all right. That's enough rambling from me for the moment. That's your news and notes. Uh, let's uh, listen to Albert and me talk for a while. We're coming to you from Berkeley. Coming to you from Albert's room. Hey, Albert.
1: Hello, Noah. How's it going? Pretty well. Um.
0: <laughs> how's uh, how's this whole curating the San Francisco bay area newsletter going for you
1: it's been fun um i've been looking into a lot of different places than i normally look for the kind of things that i am searching for i'm again i, I usually look for like games and perform and a certain kind of performance art this uh um sort of public space and shenanigans style things That's like the community that i'm in
0: do you have to bring your broom if they're shenanigans do you, uh, what is this <laughs> sorry <laughs> there's an old it's like from like sorry I mean I keep forgetting how old <laughs> South Park is but it was like one of the earliest oh, episodes of South Park there was like shenanigans everybody get your broom and yeah I didn't so. watch a lot
1: of South Park I was like I was just still watching Looney Tunes at that yeah, time I yeah whatever that, it's that, like Invader Zim that, like, like I just, I just it, it's a
0: sad sad world when a South Park reference means that I just dated myself we're right we're <laughs> all very old now I think
1: everyone feels it's like you feel old after yeah yeah. After like 15 now. no
0: what's, what, what makes me feel old and sorry to everyone listening to the podcast uh, Buffy, <laughs> the vamp- Buffy the Vampire Slayer just had its Ew. 19th Ew. anniversary really? of its premiere Ew. yeah the first episode of Buffy premiered 19 years ago last week we, we can die now
1: Eight years old. <laughs> oh God! I
0: don't even. I yeah. I was I was
1: a lot older than eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. But I've been looking into like I uh, normally with the things that I see, the people that uh, that talk to me and share uh, events with me, uh, the people in my community are uh, related to uh, people who had done stuff with SF Zero and uh, come out and play and uh, and a bit of the uh, SF Institute of Possibility stuff. Yeah.
0: Let's <laughs> let's start there because I think one of the things that's fun about the podcast is mm. we talk to people from all oh, yeah. regions and it's easy for us to sort of fall into like you know like oh yeah come on play sf zero blah yeah. blah and like new york would be like oh what right the fuck is that? so what's so and even me like i, I don't actually know what sf zero is, sure so what's sf zero
1: i guess i've been collecting sort of a genealogy or history of like san francisco play and public space games and sort of uh subversive transgressive uh, misuse of space <laughs> for for a little while. Um, so I think if you want to like go a little bit further back, you see um, you may have heard of the Cacophony Society or yes. the Suicide Club. And for those who don't know, um, mm-hmm. back in the uh, I think early 80s, these are the people who eventually started Burning Man and SantaCon and all these spaces. But uh, the Suicide Club was a group of people who got together and did. It made events to do things that they were afraid of, and they mm. would they would go and challenge themselves to climb bridges and break into buildings and join cults and things like that. And eventually, that kind of uh, moved into um, a different sort of artsy event that became the Cacophony Society, which was a mailing list of uh, of little events that people would uh, would throw as a part of this group, and that continued throughout the 80s and 90s. Um, and didn't
0: like the Billboard Liberation Front yes. spin out of that? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: John Law from uh, from the Suicide Club and the Cacophony Society uh, started the Billboard Liberation Front, where they would go and um, and modify uh, billboards for better presentation of something <laughs>
0: yeah there, there's one in there's well there's a few in la i need yeah. modified it right now but yeah yeah yeah
1: um so that's sort of the like for for me i feel like that's the an, an early history of like of of um what the current form is a descendant of like kind of the the uh, an early ancestor yeah um and then uh in the 2000s uh there was sf0 which was a website that called itself a collaborative task production game um hmm. so what would happen is you would sign up for an account and there would be tasks like um climb to the highest point um or um Like deliver a carrot to a stranger. There were like all these like silly things that you would do um, out in uh, out in public space generally, and uh, ways to engage with the world. It was created by uh, by some people who lived out in the suburbs of the Bay Area, um, in Walnut Creek and Concord. And uh, living out there
0: will drive you insane. Yeah, yeah. They were bored, and (laughs) they were
1: were like, you know, um, like they they remembered being uh, being bored there and wanted to create something that would uh, would be engaging for that kind of space. And so they would like have a lot of like mall pranks and things like that that was a part of it and it all fed into this like narrative of being part of these different guilds and uh, and you would gain like levels by completing these tasks if you finished a task and posted the story about it you could gain points and and level up through that and it was it was a really amazing uh, community that formed out of it Um, that spawned things like journey to the end of the night and the Wanderers Union which are other uh, sort of public like big um, large-scale games in the Bay Area Um, and that has, that website has mostly died off in terms of its activity. The website's still up if you want to go to sf0.org, number zero, not the word, um, and you can find people like still kind of poking around there but there was a period where that was super active it spread to Chicago and DC and Minneapolis and, and tons of places i i'm still like surprised to hear of other people like in texas who like knew about it when they were uh, when they were growing up yeah um
0: and it and it feels like it's the kind of thing that appeals to a specific type of person and oddly enough though has this what we would now talk about in as gamification sure it's like you're gonna earn points for doing this stuff but you can see like there's like that mixture of old bbs uh Um, culture and that that sort of discordian pranksterism running alongside this desire to sort of rewrite public space Mm -hmm. as as something that is more exciting than just you know our 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 daily use of it
1: yeah i mean i connect a lot of that stuff to the same impulse that gave us um skateboarding really like, mm. like the part of skateboarding that is about um about almost aggressively reclaiming the spaces that are taken away from us and in, in the urban landscape yeah um we are sort of in a space where it feels like, you know, a lot of big buildings are being built up around us and a lot of uh, private property is being carefully and strictly controlled. Um, And these are kinds of things that we do to try to state that we still have a place and we can do what we need to do, even if that means sometimes we get in trouble for it. Yeah. Uh, but it's an attempt uh, by, by um, I mean, a lot of times like uh, urban youth to uh, to find out how they can make a space their own.
0: See, viewed through that lens, suddenly my LARPing during college gets, <laughs> gets a hell of a, a lot more rebellious. Because yeah. we were like LARPing on UC right. Berkeley's campus. And yeah. it's like, oh, LARPing. It's skateboarding for nerds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that I thought that parkour was skateboarding for nerds in a lot of ways. Like the parkour community early on was like super nerdy because well, we all found each other online.
0: Yeah. Well, but you still have to be. Well, still have to be. You have to be more athletic. Yeah, yeah. To to
1: do your free yeah, running. But what about like Quidditch? <laughs> you gotta be kind of athletic. <laughs>
0: Quidditch is lacrosse
1: for nerds, so let's just be honest. <laughs> I, mean, well, I think what we're finding out is that everything we do now is just things for nerds to do. <laughs> pretty much, pretty
0: much. Even football is football for nerds at this point. No, um, uh,
1: there's there's jokes to be made, but
0: I'm tired. Um, all right, all right. So, um, so how do those traditions? Um, how do they intersect with yeah. the the performance art and the this this immersive? impulse Mm -hmm. because I I mean on my end I sort of think that the thing that's interesting about immersive whether it's what I might call embodied or Mm -hmm. it's virtual Mm -hmm. is that it really plays upon placing a person in a physical context in in an environment that is heightened. It's a heightened Mm -hmm. reality that you've dropped your audience slash participant whatever we're going to call them into. Um, we've given them a certain degree of agency to explore that world, and it's on this giant continuum as to mm-hmm. like how much agency they get. But the critical thing, the, the element that is plastic and that must be there for it to count, is their presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why when they talk about presence in virtual reality, we mm-hmm. kind of sit there and go and nod and nod vigorously, because that's what's magical about it is that sense of like, Oh shit, I'm there. Mm-hmm. And and viewed through that lens, something like a sleep no more, sleeping like a then she fell, as our you know, core touchstones mm-hmm. is that experience of I'm here but suddenly I'm somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, this space has become more. I yeah. am both in a warehouse in Chelsea, and I'm in the McKittrick. Yeah. Uh, I am transported through the the means of the imagination.
1: Yeah, we're given this opportunity when we get when we get uh, rules for interaction mm. and also a narrative to transform the space that we have. Like yeah. so much of. Like where we are and who we are is defined by the rules that we are following. I love that. When we walk down the sidewalk and we decide to stop and cross and, and wait for a traffic light to turn before we cross the street. We are defining ourselves as a person who will f- abide by that rule right. and who you know maybe needs to get to the other side of the street for some reason. But when we tell ourselves that the reason that we need to get there is because we're following a character or our character that we're playing has a goal um, or because of whatever our goal is, is more important to just run across the street even if a car is coming rather than waiting for the crosswalk to change. We're placing ourselves in a different reality than the people who are following those rules for some other reason yeah. or following them in a different manner.
0: Well and you can think of it like there's there are the strict written rules of our society of you you're supposed to wait for yeah. you know, the light to change, but then there's the subtle rules of every town like yeah like i think about it whenever i switch between driving in la to driving the bay area (laughs) like i just drove up drove back up here a couple days ago i'm from here but i live down there and just the style changes Mm. and a style isn't just a style it's when it comes to driving or or how people walk down the street or the pace of a city. I mean, every city's got its own pace for walking, yeah. which is tied into, like, the way the lights work. Yeah. And it's this subtle coding thing. And it's it's a way of
1: life. It's, right. like, the I way mean, that defines itself. It's It's subtle and really hard to break into, but it's super defining. And yeah. it's super... Um, important to the people who are there and they think about like what it means to be a New Yorker and like when you get licensed to call yourself a New Yorker and and what it means if you're not a New Yorker yet all of those things are based on the the subtle rules that we decide to follow yeah. or or learn as as they're often implicit
0: which you know for a, a lay person um, you know it's like whatever like who cares <laughs> but but for say you know an actor that's exactly the kind of thing that they you know, study like the greats. Mm-hmm. So it's like what's someone's gait, how fast did they move? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you start to get that rhythm of of an individual is reflected in the place that they're from. Mm-hmm. And that those those almost ineffable, but maybe more frighteningly so, probably quantifiable Elements are, are the things that define a person uh, at that level of feeling. Yeah. You know, like they, they feel, like you were saying, like when does someone get to call themselves a New Yorker? Yeah. Well, when, they, when everyone else feels like they're a New right. Yorker.
1: But, but, I mean, if you were to quantify it, it means when you know where exactly to stand on the subway platform for, on, like, you know, 34th Street Station and, like, Penn Station, if you know exactly where the train's going to stop and you know exactly how fast to walk and when to go around, like, there are all these, like, things, and you feel like it when all of it is kind of internalized. Yeah. And when you're learning, you don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that is really um, defining of, of the sort of uh, performance scene in in the Bay Area, as far as I know, it is that the is the history of performance art here really highlighting like what a space means and mm. and getting people to to change those roles in different uh, at different stages of of a of a space like to uh, to change a to change a public space into a stage is uh, is something that really highlights that public space normally isn't a stage. Yeah. Um and uh and there was a connection there. <laughs> it'll
0: it'll it'll bend itself yeah. back in. Um one of, one of the things we talked about um before we started recording was I won't call it the tension between like the above ground and the underground stuff, but we were talking about, you know, there's there's like oh like I'm you know this There's things you have fingers in pies of that are like you know completely like below the radar, and that's something that we tend to. It's 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 the interesting thing I think for the newsletter is that you know we respect the fact that the stuff that's underground, invite only, uh, you know it it wants to be underground and invite only. It wants you know people are building their realities, and you know to just like be like you know, it's happening over here would destroy the magic that they're trying to create. There's a different kind of thing in terms of what we're trying to do, which is help the people who are making this stuff who need to find a way to sustain their practice. Mm-hmm. Basically it means it comes down to money, right? Yeah. You know, like if you're if you're Putting a ticket price on something, and you're trying to get as so many people to go. Like, well, then we're the place for you because yeah. it's like, well, you need attention. You you want to find a way to sustain it. Like, you know, come come shout at us, and we'll try and amplify. But there is that that sort of
1: unfortunate side of it, where some of the most interesting work is off grid stuff. Some of the most interesting work is, or and and that kind of stuff is also not really trying to be sustainable in the same way they're trying to like oh there's a lot of stuff that is being sustainable or that is sustaining as a community and not really trying for a financial sustainability i think um and you know they support each other within that community uh and i think they they don't feel like they're trying to create businesses out of things yeah I, I don't know how that will be reconciled and I think a lot of it is it, it comes from places uh, from from um, perspectives that are that are still very experimental and not sure that they want to be releasing things into the public yet
0: yeah well I mean like there's a level where I mean like I think of something like And the drum down in LA, which is it was our our last episode. Yes, Uh, this will air. I'm thinking which it's this will air in the order that it was recorded. So yay, that was the last episode. And I mean, Lauren's a director. She's a theater director. She's also like a television director now, and she's directed you know feature films like indie films. And you know she needs to. She we it's almost like all of us would love to just give it all away for free, yeah. but we've gotta find a way to sustain yeah. the practice. Like this stuff costs money and you know n- not yeah. all of us are lucky enough to have, you know, multimillionaire parents or anything like, you know, yeah. dumping dumping money at us that so we can like then go and create some like beautiful art piece. Yeah. Um but there's gotta be a way to keep things sustaining. And and there is an open question in my mind of like, well, could it be a matter of you build a community that through the various means of well someone has a space or someone or a number of people have access to spaces a number of people have access to like production resources the actors have you know mm-hmm. time to do things and like generating you know generating uh, art for lack of a better term i don't want to call it content um, in a sense you know that was always what our and it, and I always feel weird when I talk about LARP, but there's so much beauty that can yeah. be found in it. That was our LARP model. Yeah, you know, yeah, totally. like we'd use someone's house. Right. we're all entertaining each other. Right. The biggest expense, you know, in a in a capitalist mindset would be probably the people running its time yeah. you know like
1: or maybe like uh, for like a concrete thing it would be like probably just feeding people
0: exactly right? you know and the like and we, we didn't often feed everybody you know yeah, it's yeah. like you know if anything we, we compensated the, right. the we compensated Laval Subterranean right. by, by spending money there to like let us use the base camp but
1: that keeps the that keeps the uh, the audience really small most of the time yeah so that does that does allow for a lot of really interesting amazing things to happen and it creates amazing experiences for the people who are creating it and offering their time and their whatever resources they have but it makes it very difficult to scale up and i think that's the difference perhaps like how much how important is it for the general public to see what's happening yeah how important is it for the ideas Mm. and the beauty and all of the meaning that comes out that gets generated from these practices is it something that's supposed to be shared or is it something that is, uh, it is sort of internally meaningful. And for LARP it's off, like it, it's, it's dramatic improv with no audience. Yeah. <laughs> like that is what LARP is to yeah. a degree.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, and there's still that question. You have the question of like, you know, is it, is it meant to be shared or is it meant to be internal? And that's one of the things that's interesting about immersive. I was, I'm thinking back mm-hmm. to two episodes ago, um, when zay was talking with the folks at then she fell mm-hmm. and they or, how thir- or third their shows show. are. How, well how small their shows were and how they just sort of discovered uh because before there was then she fell they were doing haunted houses amongst other things oh, right? yeah. they did a whole bunch of different stuff yeah um and you know they're doing haunted houses during the season and so they'd be like we would do this bit and then you know someone would show up in uh, a costume and it would like throw off the bit a little bit and there was a disruption and of of a outside reality of so and so's crazy costume walking into this maybe this beautiful or this introspective piece yeah and so that question of scale it's like how intimate can we make it and it becomes this like initiatory shared secret thing mm-hmm. um which at that level, it's almost like a cult, right? You <laughs> it's know. <all> a cult. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm going to bring you to this place. Someone's going to pay the initiation mm-hmm. fee, and then you're going to go through this experience, and you're going to come out on the other side of it, and hopefully you'll be changed and enthusiastic and then pay someone else's initiation fee, which is like the ultimate, like the gifting model. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's been happening a bunch lately. I've seen it in like, uh, the Institute of Possibility did that for Fallen Cosmos, which is a big production that they did. Um, and, um, I mean like the, the, uh, Wanderlust folks in, uh, in New York did it with their, with their night heron speakeasy. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Yes, they, I think they met one of the people. Mm. They met stuff. They're they are part of that industry. Like New York's got an underground scene too. Yeah, it's got right? an, you know, everywhere's got yeah. an underground,
1: I suppose. But New York yeah. also has this industry, and LA probably as well. Like yeah. like an industry for theater, and I mean, there's certainly a theater here. I'm not I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, but it seems less in the radar of the general public.
0: Yeah, which is slightly ironic because I mean, when we talk in terms of the Bay Area as a as a theater town mm-hmm. right um you've got berkeley rep and mm-hmm. berkeley rep is a powerhouse i mean it's churned out a couple of broadway hits um you know being uh, american idiot and uh oh my god this this the stew show strange i can't remember that i saw it and i can't remember <laughs> it, but it was also you know, produced but for hbo special um and any other ACT doing what ACT did. Yeah. I mean, the South Bay is kind of a little on shakier terms. They've lost some theaters over the past few years. Um, but it's it's always felt like the the passion of the people who are making theater here maybe even outstrips the size of the audience mm. for it mm-hmm. which is always a sad part to yeah. me i mean that, i think
1: that's that's really a, a really interesting note because i think it is there's a parallel there to uh to what we we're saying about larp and and some of these smaller things is that it's almost as if the bay area is a creator's town it's like yeah. everyone wants to make stuff and no one wants to see things <laughs> And when you have like secret stuff you can be part of the people who are who is like you can you can feel like you're really invested. Right. Um and when you're just an audience it feels like less so and maybe that has something to do with the uh the reluctance to uh to I don't know, maybe see theater or uh, or get as engaged, have like a, a, a big audience for theater. Yeah.
0: Well, and there's a sense there of like, you know, the Bay Area is all about participatory culture. Like, yeah. that'd be a way of, of looking at it, right. right? Is that, yeah, like everyone wants, I mean, you know, both LA and New York are also, uh, you know, big, big uh, creator towns. But I think there, it's almost like, everyone there's so big and there's industry and that means you have your niche right you know mm-hmm. you're a writer you're an actor you're a designer you're an artist this is what you do and you you trade your skills with each other you go see someone's show etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. um and and it's it's large enough that you can have that in the bay area it was it, it always did feel like well, you got to have at least two or three hats, or yeah. nothing was gonna get done. Yeah. and the next thing <laughs> right. you knew three, four years into your practice, everyone's wearing two or three hats. Yeah. you know it's like, wait a second, like can't I just just be a blank you know mm. uh, and that just wasn't wasn't the case. and that's not true for everybody. like I, I know that there are people who are directors here and I know yeah. there are people who are writers and they're great directors and there are some great actors who are here uh i've I've had the pleasure of of seeing them work since I was a kid and and beyond and I've had pleasure of knowing some in college who you know both are here and have even gone on elsewhere um but yeah there's there's definitely a sense to me of uh, as a whole in the bay area uh everyone kind of at least at least it always felt like everyone wanted to get their hands dirty yeah you know in the best possible sense
1: it's it's a really great thing you get a lot of people who want to create stuff but it's it feels like it's a very experimental place. People want to try something new all the time, and there's a sense in which the draw is to keep pushing boundaries rather than sit and master a craft mm. um in in a maybe more general sense i mean i there again. Plenty of uh, plenty of people doing uh, mastering their craft, uh, yeah. all over the place. Uh, but experimentation is super important, and and uh, bucking trends is really important, and pushing envelopes is really important. And so, so you get to the place where you are making something that is so different that you can't pick up someone and say, "Oh, you have the exact skill that I need," because you have no idea what that skill is when you're when you're making something that like people haven't seen before.
0: Yeah,
1: and that makes it really difficult to. Specialize, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a massive amount of specialization, I guess, like over in the games industry, like mm-hmm. the actual industry part of it. Right. Um, and and there, you know, you have your artists and your writers and you have your coders and everything. And um, but but on the performance side, it definitely feels like it's always been a little bit more multiple, multiple, mm-hmm. multiple, multiple. multiple <laughs> English, fifth language. Can't speak it today. Sorry, everybody. You know, it's, a, it's almost embarrassing. I spend half of these podcasts apologizing for my inability to speak the language. I, was I don't think anyone to. would notice
1: if you didn't apologize.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, but I'm gonna. Um, this came to mind, right? So, like, because we'll talk about this sometime, like about the, the underground nature of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but here's a thought hypothetically speaking, Let's say you've got someone who's out there who's listening to this thing, or you've even got someone who who's reading the newsletter on a fairly regular basis, and they want to get initiated. Right, right. Where should they be hanging out? Like, are there things in 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 what we put out in the newsletters? Mm-hmm that they should be gravitating towards and sniffing around yeah. like are there hotbeds of recruitment are there yeah. are there things they should be doing or should they be making their own and thus trying to get the attention of folks
1: I think there's a lot of places to go I think there I think the things that um that we post that are Community oriented that are that are they're asking people to produce within the framework things like Appetite Obscure where you create some kind of participatory food uh, you create a dish and you Also include some instructions on how to eat it So someone might come in and bite off like eggplant candy that's hanging off of lockets in someone's dress <laughs> like, like there there are places like that where you're asked where you have the opportunity to create something and contribute. I think there's a lot of um, contributor-based events that happen. Um, And then a lot of places where people go to kind of engage with the community like Adventure Design Group um, or Sandbox and places where you can meet other people who are creating a lot of stuff. And I think those are the places that you would go to find an entryway. Um, It does require a certain commitment to showing up regularly. Yeah. Um it's not a it's not something that you that you can set aside an evening and be done with.
0: Right. It's that just buy a ticket, yeah, catch an Uber, go to the right. event, right. get i mean a lift that, that's, back. That's yeah. the
1: thing with the with the underground too. It's not like an underground event is partially underground because it's for the community of the people who are who are making it. And it's not something that is just one group that's creating something and dissolving it's people who get together and they form a community of the of the participants and the and the creators and those people get together and work on something new there's very much a a i guess it's it's cliquish in a lot of ways um you become a part of you become a part of something, yeah. rather than uh, rather than being a part of the audience. And so it's I mean in some ways it's an extreme form of the of the immersion, right? Yeah, uh, you become part of this like bigger story there.
0: Well, here's here's the other side of it. Um, do you think, given given the the nature of this stuff that does go here on here around here already, uh, is there audience for is there a a market for lack of a better term for i mean traditional immersive is an oxymoron <laughs> sure. but for like the kind of experience that I and mean, the legend is always that Punch yeah. Junk was gonna like drop something off sure. here. And
1: hey, we had speakeasy. We had the SF speakeasy. Yeah. And that that went great and it and it was really powerful and I think they did really well. Yeah. They did well enough that even though they lost their space, they got in, enough uh, investment and in business to you know, to start the new one. Yeah. Um, Although so I they think haven't
0: come back all the way yet. Like that's that's one thing there. Is like they keep yeah. they have a new space and they keep on doing events, but they yeah. tend to be I mean, they got a magic show going on right, right, right
1: now. I think that might be one of their first events in that space. Yeah, I think they're getting there. They're yeah. wrapping up. It takes. It probably takes a lot to build that kind of space up.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I, I, I think the audience is there. I mean, you also have all the people who are, uh, who are going to. Live escape rooms and and the it's a, I think it's a similar kind of audience as the people who want to get surprised by all the little things that you can find when you have an opportunity to explore space. Yeah, so, it, and it's
0: it's kind of exciting because there's a I just I think Car Buzz or something or maybe someone else like somebody down in L.A. There's like a couple of guys. I got a podcast. And it's mostly focused on horror stuff, but they also like, they threw in the escape rooms. They've started to do immersive theater stuff as well. They're looking for the horror themed stuff, yeah. but, um, but they're open and they're interested in you, this entire space that we're, that yeah. we're looking at. And there is so much crossover there. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's
1: I mean, there's, I think haunted houses is probably one of the most direct, uh, uh, ascendance of, uh, of immersive theater you know like haunted house like we can learn so many lessons from haunted houses if we if we explore that more i mean third rail oh. came straight from there and everything yeah. third rail came
0: straight from there i mean in, yeah. in so many ways like the only way to explain sleep no more to someone yeah. who doesn't know it is like all right it's it's like a haunted house but instead of scares it's modern dance but that's mm-hmm. the most frightening <laughs> thing of all <gasps> um modern dancers ah um uh, my mother would kill me for that joke and and Haley will probably not be too happy either. um sorry, y'all, luckily, my mom doesn't listen to it. Haley does, I think maybe um yeah uh so what what um what's hot, what's interesting, what's going on around here right now that you can talk about sure. oh, keeper of the mysteries. <laughs> Um, Don't be surprised
1: if people give you shit about this. <laughs> Well, I hope they reach out to me. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's good. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not spilling anything. I say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, one thing. One thing. Get that's been Albert really
0: drunk. That's what you do. That you want to know how to <laughs> we to hang out.
1: Buy me a drink. No. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I've been hearing is that the uh, the Fort Mason um, Arts whatever whoever is leading the uh, the arts funding uh, in Fort Mason. Um, in san francisco is putting a big push to get a lot of arts programs in there and they're focusing on experimental stuff and things that are outside of the the traditional um uh, traditional arts industry and so we're seeing a lot of different kinds of performance arts uh, come out and play will be hosted there come out and play being a um an annual festival of street games that started in new york and has been running here in san francisco for uh, what is it like? Seven years now. Mm. Um, so come out and play. We'll have programming there. Um, there will be a bunch of different uh, performance uh, pieces, and I'll post about some of them on the uh, next newsletter or, uh, installment. Um, that that will be site specific and um, and audience participatory and and um, things like that. So we'll be pushing into uh, that space for uh for a lot of the programming at fort mason over the course of the next year uh year or so and hopefully more and more of that
0: yeah and that in fort mason for those of you who aren't familiar with it uh there's there's traditionally been a lot of i mean since it got decommissioned as a fort uh there's been a lot of art spaces Mm. in there Uh, i know the magic theater i don't know if they're still there but they were there Mm. for a long time bay area theater sports operate out of there and it's you know it's a former fort i mean there's it's on the waterfront it's absolutely gorgeous it's a it's just tucked up and away from the touristy trap part yeah. of it uh so you don't get that vibe um there's uh some really big theater space in there but the the artist spaces and you know, there used to be a restaurant there maybe i don't know how much things have changed um it really lends itself to the creative reinterpretation of space. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it was at one point a you know a working yeah. Ford, you know, working Yeah, we place. players
1: did their uh, did uh, Macbeth there uh, a lot uh, two years ago. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's a really it's a really beautiful space. Plus, the park around it is mm-hmm. going to have a lot of programming, and then uh, the the expo spaces and all the uh, buildings that are in. Uh, that are right next to it, are, yeah. uh, uh, is, is uh, going to have a lot of programming as well.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes me... Makes, talking about the Expo spaces makes me wish that there was a way to like do something at the Palace of Fine Arts, because... I mean, that's a funny... The, yeah. the, the amazing thing about the Bay Area is there are so many architectural wonders. Mm-hmm. And in terms of some of the stuff, some of the alternate reality games that have been played here, like that, that always always was the great joy in those was like, I'm going to go to this place that I've only ever heard about. Never had an excuse to go to like back in the day with the June Institute. I swear like that was like almost like 80% of the appeal was, Oh, I've lived here all my life, but I've never been to the chapel of the Chimes, you know? And like I, and you know, and you go and you're like, mm-hmm. why have I never been to this place? You know, that that right. that reclaiming of the the public or the semi public spaces mm-hmm. um, that are, you know, they're just out of your eyeline. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, it that's adds sacred.
1: magic to these spaces. Yeah. And it, re- it returns magic to the every spa- everyday spaces that were there. We're in as well. Yeah. Um, by putting narrative, by putting in uh, a reason to explore yeah. a little bit more as opposed to being guided. I want to, I want
0: to, I want to roll back to something you said really early on. Um, Cause you mentioned like narrative in space, but you also mentioned, um, you didn't use this term, but the the injunctions that were given, the instructions that mm-hmm. were given, uh, like the framing of our interactions, uh, makes a makes a huge difference in terms of how this immersive stuff gets played out. And when you're yeah. talking about that, I was thinking about uh, a couple of the past couple of shows I've seen, and you know the giving of the instructions before the show, yeah. and how critical that can be, and how it can really shape. What it is you're looking at and looking for, mm-hmm. and the different approaches on that, utterly alters um, what the experience is going to be. You know, you both set. I mean, there's the framing itself, but there's also the tone, like how those instructions are given, give you a sense of what kind of world you're in. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because it's it it it's both the surrendering a bit of the director's agency over to the audience through that endowment.
1: It's the last place that they have to, to control the experience, though.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and it's, it's a laying bare of the social contract. Mm-hmm. It's like, I will now recount to you what the explicit social contract of yeah. this space is. Yeah. And it's not something... It's something I give a lot of thought to, Uh, In the day to day, but it's something that, you know, our our social contracts are mostly hidden and invisible and we don't spend a lot of time thinking about them. And it's really interesting to me
1: but At least we sweet yeah we, i mean we do fun. have we do have like instincts about them though. Yeah. and and part of those instincts are you're not supposed to like pay attention to what's around i think there's a there's a there's a mm. subtle thing that says like like avert your eyes don't yeah. worry about that thing there like it's not important <laughs> get to where you're going to go and then like do your job you know and and like that's why that's why um <laughs> I think immersive theater is really exciting, and and, and like in particular, why uh, why escape rooms are really exciting because there is the explicit instruction to like tear shit apart and find everything, and, yeah. and look everywhere and, and explore. Yeah, and it's it's this um, direction to explore that you don't you're not you're not often given permission to yeah. do.
0: Yeah, that the, the permission is a huge thing. Yeah, the permission is a huge thing, and you're given, and on the flip side, you're given just enough information to know, like, but please don't do this. because yeah. this will, <laughs> right. this will break things. Right. You know, like please, please.
1: Yeah, that that is the art of uh, of immersive theater is figuring out how to carefully tell the audience not to break things and actually have that succeed.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and you know, you the sad thing is you will have people who are are trollish and they will try and break things. Uh, and then you just find a way to remove them mm-hmm. uh, as best you can. I was having this discussion with someone the other day with a with a director who I was giving notes to uh, a piece that I didn't wind up reviewing. Um, and I won't go into too much detail, but we were talking about uh, fail states because mm-hmm. we were talking about like you know, what do you do like when someone like you know jumps off the line and and I think some of this was things I had cribbed from. Um, I realized I was stealing this from the people who did uh Oho the bricolage folks. Mm-hmm. They had an entire mm. um basically a backup plan for if things not as so much backup plan but like they have a fail safe fail state plan where if like someone pushed things in a certain way this is one of the earlier pieces you know they would shuffle that person out but it was basically like here's this other track for the people who are breaking things (laughs) and then they will get to go and have this experience and it's almost like exclusive to them because they're breaking stuff but that became the thing is like well that what that person's doing the person who's a troll the person who's like making a lot of noise (laughs) they want attention yeah. And so if you can give them, like, focused, personalized attention for the five minutes right before you kick them out, they may actually love your piece. Yeah. They may get super excited about it because they got the one thing they wanted more than anything else, <laughs> someone to pay attention to them and just them. Yeah.
1: I mean, it approaches that. That is sort of what we're doing when we create immersive theater that has a smaller audience or has an audience that gets to like step into a space yeah is that like when you have the the stage and the audience seated you have this situation where the audience is supposed to like not pay like not be important at all right and everyone that is lit up on the stage is is where you're supposed to focus your attention on and you give the the uh, audience or the players a little bit of opportunity to be important or to be to be paid attention to whenever you allow them to walk around when you allow other players to pay attention to them and then you also have the actors pay attention to them in different ways well that's
0: one of the things like the core proscenium theater social contract is you will come and pay attention to the people on the other side of the glass and the thing about the immersive and the interactive is that the social contract is almost, almost reversed. Mm -hmm. You come, and we will pay attention to you. Which is not the case of Sleep No More. In Sleep No More, you know, the explicit instruction is, wear this mask and Mm -hmm. keep your mouth shut. We like you this way. But the interesting thing is that the audience is still a part of that dynamic. And if you step back from... The, the scene and observe the audience in relation to the characters in that piece, the audience becomes the ghosts haunting this hotel, yeah. right? I mean, that's the impression I got yep. out of it. Um, and they they make the mise-en-scene in, in a deep way. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're still observing the spectacle of other humans, mm-hmm. um, even if you yourself are not singled out for attention. And that's the interesting thing I think that Punch Drunk does. You know, they 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 hit upon that part of the formula of like how to make a yeah. how to make a person, you know, anonymous and yet also an, an object of interest.
1: Hmm. Have you seen the uh, the uh, Queen of the Night? No. Do they no. do anything like that? I haven't. I haven't had an opportunity to see it either.
0: Yeah. No. From what I know, I I do not believe you're masked. I mean, it's not Punch Drunk. No. It's you know Randy. Right. Uh, and, and I think
1: Immersive might have been part of it. Right. It's Immersive. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Not Punch Drunk.
0: And, and uh, but I think with that one it was. I mean, there was the whole dinner focus on the one hand, and it was like kind of like pulling people out. Like the vibe I got from the way people explained it to me Mm -hmm. was that it was very much, um, very, very on more on the environmental. You know, side yeah. of things. Like, there's a thing happening, like, all around us. Right. And then I think that's that's a big trend, I think, in New York right now. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Alexander, is Alexander in the Great Comet of 1812? People keep calling like Great Comet of 1812, uh, the Russian one, yeah. which uh, was in New York and then bounced up to Boston and is coming back down to New York uh, with Josh Groban and they're, like, custom retrofitting a theater. And you're still going to have, like, the Russian team room vibe and all the seating, but it's not. It's not immersive the way we think of immersive. It's back to that environmental thing. And and there's a whole line of of this stuff that people call it immersive that is... I kind of feel it's what good cabaret should be. Yeah. right? Um, and that's one of the reasons why I never cover it in the newsletters. Yeah. And people will sometimes pitch me that stuff. And I'll right. be like... and And I happen to like that stuff. Yeah. When it's good, I get excited because yeah. it is thrilling to be there... But that's just good cabaret. Right. That's... It is special, but it's yeah. not...
1: It's not novel. It's... It, it's it, not the... Th- it, there's something really powerful about the kind of stuff that we're looking for and it doesn't hit on that yeah. in <laughs> the same way. Yeah,
0: because it could happen... This, this is always the thing, like... A good cabaret show could happen whether the audience was there or not. Right, right. You know? It'll change the energy. I mean, I'm never the only person who argues, you know, fully that uh, an audience doesn't change a a straight show. An audience completely changes Mm -hmm. a normal show. I've been in shows. I know what it's like to have an audience who's not in. It becomes this feedback loop of like they don't like what we're doing. Right. I don't have any reason to like step up to the plate. And you're told like that's not the professional way to go but like I mean even if it's just like if if you're the kind of performer who gives, you know, 90 to 100% every night. You're like, "I always give 100%." No, you give 90 to 100%. I'm sorry, you're a human being. But some nights you give 105 to 110%. You exceed your normal, you know, this is my professional level because the audience is so there. When the audience isn't there, you're going to be at the low end of that spectrum, right? Like the difference between a great night and 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 an okay night. Um, So I'm never going to argue that doesn't happen. The orientation, that attention thing again, Mm -hmm. and not just in a way of like, I'm going to single this person out and throw them in front of everybody and make them uncomfortable, right? Right. has nothing to do with that because, you know, if you're uncomfortable in a scene and Then She Fell when it's just you and the performer, well, one, maybe this isn't for you, but two, like, really, seriously, is isn't for you. But the thing is, it's, it's not for you. It's not that we're putting you on the spot and you're not for us, right? A totally yeah. different thing. It's just like you don't enjoy having these kind of interactions with people. That's fine, you know? Like, I feel sort of bad because... It's the kind of thing I would love to give to someone and it's like, oh, you don't want this wonderful gift we've made for you. Oh okay. but that's okay. some people don't like chocolate. Some oh, of my best friends don't yeah. like chocolate yeah, but
1: but it really matter it, it matters in a, in a bigger way, I guess because if like for the, for that performance because if oh God, it's not yeah. for you then and, and because you become a part of the scene. If yeah, it's not for you, and you can't re- you can't react to it yeah. in a in a certain way that allows you to be, become a part of it. Yeah, then you are then the scene just doesn't happen. It, no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't at all. Right, I right? Mean, like, and like if you happen. take out you take out all the actors or all the uh, all the uh, the players and the the um, audience members in Sleep No More, like the scene doesn't have its ghosts anymore. it doesn't yeah. have it doesn't have the uh, the it's not complete anymore exactly yeah whereas you can you can make you can rehearse something without a without an audience right. um, in in traditional theater
0: but but and the thing is like you go on the first night of a piece that is in this fashion and the first time that the the, the <laughs> actors have encountered an audience and it, 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 it's a it's a terror show because yep. like they no one no one knows what the hell to do and that's the most exciting part of the whole thing. It's like no one, until it meets an audience, no one knows what the shape of this thing winds up being. Um, And these are wonderful creative... They're the most interesting creative problems to have. uh, And it is indeed the place where the gaming stuff comes in most intensely. Because all good game design is about is about Mm -hmm. how do we teach people how to play this game and then get them playing the game and then iterate upon the the rules and the mechanics of the game to become a deeper and more interesting experience while still being satisfying in the simple mechanic of it Mm -hmm. and that's true whether we're talking about monopoly or Halo, or League of Legends, or a LARP. Yeah, you know, it's like the, the, from the simplest, like what's the core mechanic, all the way up to like how 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 involved can it become, uh, and are you enjoying your thirty seconds of fun for four hours or not? hmm
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah. That might. So have. that that part <laughs> of that part of the uh, the. Art space and performance space here, um, the the games and uh, and some of the performance art and a lot of stuff that happens in uh, in, in public space is is thriving and it's uh, it, it's exciting. I, I I post things that I find and I'm also finding more and more of uh, of the. Uh, the troops and and people who are making things for theaters um exploring uh participation and and immersive immersivity um so i i don't think it's entirely that i'm missing on it missing finding them Right. I think that there I, I think that it is uh, it is true that the that the kinds of things that we're looking for the, that are closer to the canonical than she fell or uh, or sleep no more kind of uh, kind of pieces um, there aren't too many of around but there are but they are coming around yeah. um, I'm uh, one that I'm excited about is at the end of the month um, a, a space uh, called Z space is hosting a show called house tour uh, where as an audience you're being led through a uh, a um, sort of fabricated mansion of uh, of some eclectic couple, and it uh, being led on a tour in that manner, um, and so you'll be able to explore and uh, and go through, it and we'll and I'll report back when I when I see it. Fantastic. Um, and. What else is around? I I'm blanking on on the others, but, uh, there's, but there, there's 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 I know
0: there's another. I mean, we players has got their right their uh, Romeo and Juliet cycle for the year. They got the Capulet ball, mm-hmm. which uh, is coming up in a couple of different forms. Gonna put that in the West Coast this week. I'm, yes, I'm, I'm a week behind on the West Coast. Sorry, everybody. Uh, it should come out by the time it'll be out by the time this comes out. If oh. God, if it isn't, I'm in trouble with myself. It's not like um, a
1: promise for you. Yeah, well,
0: it's hard. For, uh, it's gonna be interesting me keeping my own promises this week. Uh, day job is day jobs, and we're we're in crash mode. Like for yeah. all you know, everyone knows what crash mode is. That's what we're in right now. Um, code code black. It's code black, everybody. Um, the uh, there's there's a piece that was last year. And what I'm upset with myself, because I know the person who made it is almost certainly listening. And they are a wonderful person. Steve. His name's Steve.
1: Steve Boyle.
0: Steve Boyle. Made, yeah, Steve uh, Boyle's what piece.
1: What was it called? Uh, that was down in San Jose. It's down in
0: San Jose. Yeah. He, exp- he. I didn't get to see it. It put it in the last year. Yeah, I was gone last when, year. I,
1: when, when he ran it yeah. as well.
0: And like he described it to me, and it sounded
1: awesome
0: yeah like just like what what they they aimed for i know he's he's looking at doing some more stuff yeah uh and uh it's it just it sounds like it, it's in the wheelhouse it is mm-hmm. completely in the wheelhouse mm-hmm. and the stuff that he's trying to do yeah. is in the wheelhouse
1: yeah i met i met steve when we were we were both working together on a uh, on a uh retreat for some company that had a bunch of little perfor- immersive performances mm. as a part of it, and his work was his his piece in there was amazing. It was like really well done, well produced, and the oh, fantastic and production value was was great. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited for for what he what he makes yeah. and uh, and what he has next.
0: Yeah, and and he was working from what I could tell. He was working at a scale that was was yeah. really impressive. And yeah. like you know, if it anyone, only
1: lasted for like two weeks, I think
0: it it only lasted for a very short period yeah. of time. But um, there there's. There's there's some stuff that I think that he's working on. I don't. I, don't, I mean, stuff gets told to me in confidence, and so I don't want to broach mm. anything. And, and I definitely don't want to jinx anything. Uh, but I think that the bay, the bay is not going to be without more of this sort of stuff <laughs> yeah. as time goes on. I'm getting more and more confident in believing that. This form isn't going anywhere. It's not a fad. I'm fully of the opinion these days that between the embodied stuff and the virtual reality stuff, that this is one art form that is using a couple of different mediums in order to convey a very particular kind of experience. Mm -hmm. And... You know, sometimes it's going to be slapping a headset on a person, and other times it's going to be, you know, building a set or cordoning off a, a national forest and populating yeah. it with people, and and going that route. And you know, if you look at that point of view, the long tradition in the Bay Area of your Dickens fairs and your end fairs, um, while not Im- immersive in they're more on the theme park side, right? Yeah. Like the Bay Area doesn't. Bay Area's got Great America, but you know, it's Great America. And it's got Marine World, but that was just because they threw roller coasters in what was a really nice, you know, zoo safari park type thing. Uh, our actual theme parks were Ren Fair and Dickens Fair. And it was about, you know, going on this space where people were enchanting yeah. it. So, like, yeah. you know, it's it's not alien. Right. You know, this is not an alien thing to our culture here.
1: There, there is a certain kind of thing that we're used to and we're good at and I think that stuff is continuing to happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but the, taking the, taking the step into, into, um, uh, narrative and, and theatrical, uh, performance in a, maybe a cohesive way for like a, like from a director standpoint. Um, A thought that just came in is perhaps there is a lot of collaboration that's happening. Mm. Um, And there's a lot of, I see a lot of structures of events that are built around uh, groups of people giving their creators and their community of collaborators space to make their section Mm. And so what you get is you step in. It it feels like a festival in a way, or yeah. like a, or like a fair, yeah. right? Where every where where there might be some uh, some theme that ties everything together, some narrative or some world that's being built together. But it's not there, There's not like a single vision that controls the whole um, the whole narrative or experience of the event. It's that you step into a world like the Dickens fair where we're all part of this world and we all have our own character and you step into the different spaces that people have created that are a part of this world. Yeah. Um, And that is, that is kind of distinct from the, from the uh, sleep no more model where, where there are, there is like tracts of, of, of storylines that are, that are going through that kind of run through the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. I think here we have a lot of, a lot of events where, individual artists have their space that they're that they kind of control and that and it feeds into um, When when all of it comes together it creates a world
0: Yeah, well and the thing the thing about something like a Dickens fair is like the more the more a participant performer brings to it the more they get out of it. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the other side of it the the punch drunk stuff of the world, you know, you get a much more limited role uh, but you get kind of a more, a more consistent experience. You have to bring less to the table because they're providing mm-hmm. what you know they're providing the entertainment, right. as it were. Um, and the truth is, is that both are totally valid. Yeah, you know, like one one is not lesser than the other. One just takes uh, a lot less investment from a given audience member, and also becomes a way of conveying narrative or thematic. It's it's a it's less about creating the space for communication and more about communicating something. Mm-hmm. But even then it's still on a continuum. Yeah. You know, like it's not like zero meaning is being conveyed by a Renn fair or a Dickens fair. There's there's meaning embedded in in the social structures yeah. within there. A lot of it's been subverted because it's twenty first century people holding up a tradition of late twentieth century people pretending to be people from either the nineteenth or the fifteenth century, right? So a lot of the letters. meaning though
1: comes from the from comes from a shared aesthetic and, exactly. and the shared systems that that are a part of it and and what you're kind of stepping into, like when you. Like your the the meaning comes from just from the social contract that you're signing. And exactly. Less from, a, less from like um, a, a series of of lines or or actions.
0: Right, but it does get us back to that social contract thing. Yeah. Right, like it's 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 right it's right there. Yeah. You know, it's right there at the heart of. In a very weird way, it is the heart of all of this. Mm-hmm. Is the question of what is the what is the explicit and implicit social contract of this space that's being created? Right. Alright. I think that's a good place to stop. (laughs) Albert, thank you for uh, letting me do the show in your room.
1: Good to see you. Glad you're up here.
0: Yeah, no, this is, uh, yeah, this is great. This is a nice way to start the week off, and hopefully for everyone else, a nice way for them to start their weekend. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's the slickest ending we've ever had. (laughs) Goodbye! Once again, just want to thank Albert for letting us do the podcast with him this week. Uh, that's it. That's the whole thing. Uh, how to get a hold of us. You know on Twitter to find us at NoPersinium. You find me at Noah J. Nelson. You can find Albert. He's at lethal Beef. Facebook, it's facebook.com slash NoPersinium. The Patreon, which helps this podcast get better and better. That's at patreon.com slash NoPersinium. The Medium collection where we post those essays and Zay has some more planned. Medium.com slash no dash proscenium. And the most important thing of all, send your tips and hints and tricks and cocktail recipes to no underscore proscenium at outlook.com. That's the hotline to get to us. And indeed, if you know about an immersive show, a piece of interactive actor-based installation art, anything of this nature, that's the best place to tell us that's it for now uh, we've got another great show coming up next week and hopefully some more beyond then uh, by the time you hear me again I will sound very tired but until then I'll see you at the show